va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Centro de Ozil. un extraordinario, espectacular centro de Mesudo Zil. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra as always with James from Gunnerblog. Good morning to you. Good morning. You're back in the UK, yeah? I am. I, God, your voice already, I can already feel you're sort of going down at the end of sentences in a way that leads me to believe this podcast might not be as fun as some others. It could be one filled with disenchantment and despair and, and doom and, you know. Yeah. Could end on a bye-bye. 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 That's how it's going to finish. Spoiler alert. So how are you feeling? A bit jet-lagged? Very jet-lagged, very jet-lagged, all over the place. Don't know what time it is, to be honest. My mm. body clock's just sort of making it up as it goes along, spinning round. I actually I flew back sort of straight to West Brom, basically. I was like, are we above the Hawthorns now? Right, let I'll me get, out. I'll get out of here. Yeah, I'll jump off. Um, no, I got off the plane at like 8am or something like that, straight on a train, effectively, up to the Midlands. So... As I was watching the game unfold, I sort of hoped that maybe it was a kind of fever dream, you know, <laughs> some sort of hallucinogenic nightmare inspired by fatigue. But transpires it was all real. Yeah, not one of those where you wake up and you go, oh, God, was that real? Oh, thank goodness. None of that no. was real. No, it, it, it turns out it was real, which is a shame because I had a great time in America. Um, I'd say probably my greatest achievement was convincing everyone that my nickname was J-Train. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, this is my chance to reinvent myself. Uh, and there is a train in New York called the J train. I mean, there's like a line of the metro or the subway, sorry, that's called that. Yeah. Um, which I suppose is a bit like coming to London and claiming to be called the Piccadilly line or something like that. But believe it or not, they all swallowed it yeah. by the end. Good job you didn't tell them uh, your nickname was Cockfosters then. No, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Wouldn't want them oh. to swallow that. Nay, but I yeah. By the end, high fives, fist bumps. All right, J Train. I really feel like I made it. I've, I was always tempted to stay based purely on that. Excellent. Um, well, that, that's really good. What? Why? Why J Train? Was that just occurred to you, or has that been a secret longing for your entire life to be known as J Train? I just thought it just came to me, and I just thought it's pretty cool. I mean, it's definitely an upgrade on James. It reminded me of a friend of mine who uh, is American. Actually, he's from Florida, and when he was about twelve he tried to convince everyone at school that his nickname was Viper X. I think that's, I think that's pretty cool as well, Viper X. I might, next time I go back there, I might try and pull that one over people. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think probably if you've, uh, if you've achieved success with the J-Train thing... Quit I, while I'm ahead. I think so. I think so. You know, you could be pushing the boat out a little, a little too far there. Maybe. Well, anyway, so the going was good. I should have known that a bump back to earth was was not long, not far around the corner. Yeah, it wasn't the best day of all, was it, at, at, uh, at West Brom on Saturday? And uh, mm. a day, obviously the result was bad, but the result was then exacerbated by the injury to Francis Coquelin after about 10, 10 minutes into the game. That's all it was. Something like that. Not Not too many minutes. Um, it was one of those where, as you as I was watching that challenge happen, I sort of winced because I think it was one where the ball either he had recently given it away or it slightly ran away from him, mm. and he you know he does go in for them, he's gone in for them and, and emerged unscathed. But this one particularly was one where it was like, oh, this could be either an injury or a sending off if this is slightly mistimed, and unfortunately, it was the former. It looked like he just sort of 
overextended his knee a bit, didn't it? Yeah, I think what what happened was the two of them hit the ball at more or less the same time. Right. Um, and I think that can, that can jar the knee uh, from time to time. But um, Andrew Allen sent me a, a picture that I think he took a screenshot um, where it looks like Coquelin's knee collides with the shin of, I think it was Claudio Jacob. So it might well have been impact as well as a, a jarring of, of the knee also. So we're, we're sitting here now on, on Monday morning. We haven't yet had any official word on, on what the, um, the outcome is, but everyone is talking three months. Mm. And, you know, three I mean, months. They've seen this be, before. Yeah. They know how it works with Arsenal players, I suspect. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's bad news if it's, if it's three months or longer than that. It's certainly bad news. Three months, I would say, unequivocally. I don't want to go overboard, but I'd say that's a disaster. Okay, let me just play devil's advocate here then for a moment. Okay, come on then, represent the devil. All right. I, I, I love the cock, right? I think we all do. We've sure. enjoyed his, his impact since he arrived into the team, and I think he's, he's shown us perhaps what we've been missing. He's become integral to the way that we play. Um, his performances have been excellent. They've been consistent. But should the absence of a player like Francis Coquelin be the disaster that derails our season? Like if it was Ozil or if it was Alexis, you know, would that would their absence not have a bigger impact? Or, or maybe I'm just playing devil's advocate for the sake of it. What no, do you think? No, I think it's interesting, but I, I sort of think... I mean, you would have said the same, I guess, 12 months ago about would a player like Francis Coquelin be the difference maker mm. for our team? And I, and I would argue that in many ways he, he was and he has been. Um, I know one player, I mean, Arsene talks about himself. He said, you know, one player can dramatically affect the balance of a side. And I think he, somehow he managed to do that. And I think the reason that he was able to do that is because he is relatively unique in terms of his attributes within the Arsenal squad. I know that we have, to an extent, we have Arteta, we'll come on to him, I'm sure, his injury problems. We've got Flamini there too, but I think Cochrane is on another level to those guys and he's probably the one player in the squad who, you know, as much as Ozil is brilliant, uh, you know, we do have players who can play that number 10 role very effectively. I'm not sure we have anyone who directly slots into what Cochrane does and I think that's why his loss you know, it's probably more problematic than than that of a lot of other players. If you mm. if you told me there was one player who I'd be really worried about what we would do if they went down with injury, I think he would probably be the one. Um, so that's that's my concern. I mean, do, are you are you just playing devil's advocate? Oh yeah, you... yeah, yeah. No, I'm fully with you. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I, <laughs> I think because of the way that he's impacted the team and actually the style of the team and 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 how it plays, I think it's really really bad news. Obviously, that he's sure, out. sure. <laughs> but I was just I was just sort of throwing it out there for for the sake of it. Um, right. Okay. Thanks for making me jump through those hoops. Yeah, that's all right. But, my pleasure. No, I mean it's a catastrophe. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, we are jumping the gun, but you know, I think when Arsenal are concerned, it's probably always better to. To be to overestimate in terms of the injuries. Yes. Um, even if they say three weeks, I mean, I won't believe it. You know, till he's till he's back out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, 
There is we've, that. We've had a good run, though. You know, he's 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 been he's played a lot of football. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not even one of those where you could say he's been overplayed or anything like that. I mean, he came into this game on the back of a, a two-week break, so to speak, because he didn't go away, obviously, on on uh, international duty. Um, so it's not a question of fatigue or anything like that. It's just one of those unfortunate things that can happen in a game where a player picks up an injury in a challenge. I don't think he can, he can do an awful lot about that. The problem, of course, is that we don't really have the ability to, to replace him in the side. Um, we can certainly replace him, obviously, man for man. We can still have 11 players, guys. We we can, just about, at this Let's moment. Let's focus on the positives. <laughs> just about. It's, uh, it's it's getting a little bit hairy at this point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's how it then influences the team and the way it plays and perhaps the way the manager is going to have to set up his team. Because I suppose on a, on a, on a fundamental level, you could say Coquelin out, Flamini in, you know, it's like for like-ish, but I don't think that we would be the same team in any way. And I don't know that Flamini and Cazorla could do what Coquelin and Cazorla can do. I mean, it is the last year of Flamini's contract, isn't it? This was the point I was going to make, that this is the, this is the upside, at least knowing that Flamini is on the brink of yet another Bosman that he can sink into his philanthropic work to save the world. You know, how is he going to be able to save the world without generating a massive new contract uh, by playing like an absolute fucking god in the last year of his contract? So clearly, I think this is the, uh, this is the upside of this whole situation. Yeah, he's got one last chance to maximise his earnings. Yeah. Uh, and we're a, completely reliant on a, that. A move to Bayern Munich uh, next <laughs> summer. <laughs> I mean, it is unbelievable, right? I mean, how many players have we got injured now? We've got, to be, we've got to be close to double figures right now, I would say. OK, well, let's go through them. Um, Arteta, Coquelin... Ramsey and Oxley chamberlain are coming back, I believe. They should be... I mean, are, are they? Come on, they told us that before. I know, but I think I think they are. Um, we should find <laughs> out later on today when the manager uh, talks to the press ahead of the, the Dinamo Zagreb game. So they're, they're back, so they're not out. But, you know, Wilshire, Rosicki, Welbeck, who else? Is that eight, is it? I think that might be eight. I think that might be it. Um, I think that might so, be So, yeah, it. I mean, on the face of it, then, it's not the worst... We've had worse. We have had worse situations. So, uh, yeah. I think, yeah, eight. I think it's physioroom.com has us at eight. United have got nine, Newcastle ten. Right. Um, Can't even stay top of that league. I know, we're going to tumble down all the leagues now. I Yeah, but I don't know. Cockland's the one, isn't it? It's the one that makes you go, oh dear, that, mm. that would be bad. I mean, when do you... I mean, let's say news comes through. I mean, there'll be a press conference, I guess, for Zagreb, and we'll probably find out then. Um, if it is three months, mm. what? How does that make you feel? <laughs> well, you know, not great, obviously. <laughs> but I think, yeah. well, what can you do other than you? You've got to cope with it. And you've got to get on with it. You can't sit around. I think the thing about the Cockerland thing was because he became so important. It was everybody's worst fear that he might get injured, right? Mm-hmm. And now this is everybody's worst fear come true. So that's that's kind of I don't mean to say that it's being overplayed but it just perhaps it feels a bit worse than it actually is even though it is a disaster and a catastrophe and and uh, and and dismal news <laughs> in every way. I mean, look, it is still just one player I guess is the That's kind you know. of it but yeah. 
Yeah. It's just a shame it's that player. Yeah. Why couldn't it have been someone else? <laughs> I know. Do you know what I mean? There's a few others I would have thrown under the bus um, first. I mean, particularly particularly with the way we defended on on Saturday. I mean, should we talk about the game? The thing is, the game kind of pales into insignificance, right? Mm. The three points, it's like, I mean, you, you can have the three points, guys. Just give me Cochrane back. <laughs> you know, I uh, thought that the game was disappointing. The game was disappointing, but I don't think... You know, with hindsight, I don't think we played quite as badly as it has been suggested. You know, um, not much went right for us on the day, but I still think we had the chances to at least take a point from that game. And I don't think it was a case that West Brom outplayed us or anything like that. The two goals were very soft, weren't they, though? Yeah, I think what was really disappointing was that it was a relatively even affair. But having got in front, I sort of... The way we've been playing, I sort of assumed that we would take control at that point. Mm. Um, and instead, there was that little passage for half time where we conceded two really sloppy goals. And we just sort of, we let them into the lead really far, far too easily. Um, and yeah, they were, they were, they were not great to concede. I mean, that, that set piece one with the run round the back, he kind of got away from his man, didn't he? And it was just, I, I, I'm not convinced he meant that finish. No, I, I don't think say. so. I don't think Wait, so. The way it looped up over check, but uh, very frustrating. And then the second one, an own goal. I mean, you know, I don't think Arteta obviously came in for a lot of stick. I don't think the own goal is sort of relevant to that, really. Um, I, you know, he was he actually did okay to be in a decent defensive position. It just was a bit unfortunate the way it went in off him. But the the defending and the build up to that wasn't great. I thought Hector Bellerin looked like a player who was fresh back from injury and not quite in his stride yet, to be honest. Yeah, he wasn't his, his usual self at all, was he? No, not at all. Not at all. And I don't think Koscielny was either, if I'm honest. Like, there was a lot of talk in, before the game about was, was his head right, and I don't think it's possible to know, you know the reasons he wasn't quite at his level, but I thought he looked more troubled by Rondon than he has by a lot of centre-forwards this season, and that was partly because the centre-forward played all right, he played quite well, but I was, I was surprised Koscielny, I thought... You know, wasn't as imperious as he as he can be at centre half. Mm. We we did have chances though. Mesut Ozil hit the post. Yeah. Uh, Joel Campbell. Oh, that was difficult to watch that one. What what do you make of that as a miss? You know, for for me that was a miss which probably reinforced all the doubts that Arsene Wenger has about him and has clearly had about him since uh, since his arrival at the club and since he came back from the loan spells. Like last season, he, he played eight or nine games as a sub and then went off to Villarreal on loan, came back this season. He's in the team primarily because we, we don't have any choice. He didn't even start on, uh, on Saturday. Arsene Wenger picked a left-back in the attacking three rather than Joel Campbell. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when he comes on, and there's not to like slag the guy off or anything like that, but just in those kind of circumstances, you've got to, you've got to put those away if you want to change the way that, that the manager is thinking about you, you know? Yeah, I think it was one of those where... Because he went mad on the sideline. I don't know if you saw the picture. He was but he furious, went bananas. Yeah. He, he was absolutely furious. And, and that sort of... I thought I feel like Arsene blew his cover there. Do you know what I mean? I feel yeah. like we saw some of his doubts about the player sort of come out. Um, I... I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it was a bad miss. I don't think it's quite as bad as it looks because it's sort of an issue of 
timing really like as in the run was good and the defender i think what happened was that he expected the defender to cut it out and then when they didn't he had a very very short time to react now obviously that is an error to to you know assume the defender's going to get there yeah but um it was sort of clumsy rather than and and if you think about the position he was in we've seen Aaron Ramsey miss chances from almost exactly that position uh, a couple of times in the last month or so you know mm. you think of those alexis passes over the top and he somehow missed from about that sort of distance so i, I don't think it, that miss alone makes him a bad player but it was one of those moments where you thought do you know what if he scores this having scored the other week at swansea as well he's kind of you know, carving a, a niche for himself in the squad. Mm. And I think having squandered it, it felt like he had really squandered a chance to make a bit of a name for himself and make himself a part of things. Yeah. Uh, and it may prove quite difficult to recover from that because with, Ox- as you say, Oxlade-Chamberlain and Ramsey on the way back, he'll be further down the pecking order once again. Mm. Santi Cazorla missed a penalty. It was funny, I saw a lot of people asking, why is Cazorla taking the penalty? And it's like, well, because he took most of them last season and scored them all, as far as I can that remember. He might have he's, on a, he's on some sort of goal-scoring ban now, isn't he, for Arsenal, as yeah, far as I can tell. not allowed. He's allowed for international level, though. It's not fair. Mm. I'm, I'm sick of this. But yeah, it, it was... Um, do you know what? I'm watching it. Did you have this feeling um, on television? In the stadium, there was a period where everyone thought it was going to be retaken. Oh, Really? Yeah. No, we didn't see that. Didn't really. I was just sort of looking downwards disconsolately. Um, uh, yeah, maybe they would cut away to people's Santi's sad little face. But basically, he he slipped, obviously, as he went up. So well, his, his standing foot went away from him, didn't, yeah. didn't it? It's yeah. the classic. It's the classic penalty slip. And there was a period after where the referee sort of pointed sort of back towards the spot and. Uh, certainly, everyone, well, not everyone around me in the press box thought he'd been signalled for it to be retaken. What, uh, under was, under what circumstance could could it have been retaken, though? I mean, none. It didn't really make any sense, but <laughs> it, it it was you know it gave me a little bit of cause for hope. I just wondered if that had translated on television at all. It mm. made it very confusing, but um, yeah, pretty spectacular miss. Obviously, I mean that just happens, right? Sometimes. There were some, some indications one of the West Brom players sort of tampered with the spot? Or? I, I don't know. It looked like there was a lot of shenanigans um, after the award of the penalty and there was some some uh, bit of gamesmanship, wasn't there? Guys hanging around and, and delaying the, 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 the kick to be taken and perhaps somebody did fiddle with the, the penalty spot. And look, it, when things like that happen, uh, that cost Chelsea, for example, you know, a European final and John Terry misses, it's really, really funny. Like really funny. Yeah, it's great. But it's not funny at all when it happens to Santi Gazorla. And I think, you know, that should be reassessed. Well, the football authorities need to look at this because yeah. I think football's generally a better place when he when Santi Gazorla's smiling. Yes, yes. I think uh, the referee should have allowed him to retake it, actually, until I mean, such time as he put it away. That was probably what was going through the referee's mind, that thing of like, he looks really... I mean, this is against the rules, but he is very cute and he does look really sad. Yeah, he's ever so sad. Um, and Craig so, Gardner, did you see that? Trying to pick no. him up off the floor. What happened? Well, Santi was like, ah, oh, shit, because he slipped and Craig Gardner came over and was doing the old, here, I'll help you up there, little pal. But of course, nobody wants to be helped up when you've just missed a penalty by some cunt who's probably giving it to you in your ear, you know, a bit of the old, yeah. <laughs> let me help you up there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that was that was a bit shit. Agonising. I mean, did you think it was a penalty, by the way? 
Um, I, I'm not 100% sure. I thought it was quite generous, but there was one previous to that. I think it was uh, Jonas Olsen, more or less rugby tackle Giroud to the ground uh, from mm. a corner or, or a free kick or something. And he sort of stood there and put his arms out and then just fell himself. But of course, he's six foot 20 or whatever it is. Sure. And he toppled like a great oak on top of Giroud. And I thought that one was a penalty. Uh, and I thought West Brom in general were quite um, pushy and shovey and shirt pulley and, and everything else in the box whenever we did have corners. And uh, maybe uh, one thing to note is that in recent weeks, we have become quite good from set pieces. But the corner delivery... Uh, and set-piece delivery from uh, from both Ozil and Santi Cazorla was really poor on, on Saturday. Corners hitting yeah. the first man and all that. Yeah, true, with the exception of our opening goal, of course. But other than that, drops mm. away. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. But I, yeah, I mean, I can't believe you've levelled the accusation of being a bit niggly with a, a Tony Pulis team. Who would ever have thought? I know, I know. Um, There's nothing sacred. Yeah, look... We'll um, just have to try and move on as best we can. So, uh, I guess when you miss a penalty in those circumstances, you kind of know it's not going to be your day, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, after that, you knew there was no way back because had we scored that, you know, we've been, you know, we're quite good at the odd late goals. So um, when the momentum changes in a game, you could you could maybe see that we could have gone on. But uh, yeah, when you miss like that and when you miss the Campbell chance, when the, you know, the ball hits the post and rebounds away with the keeper well beaten... You just know it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. So I mean, look, after the game, people were saying this is the end of our title chances. It's all collapsed. It's collapsing. Is that not a bit of an overreaction to one game? Uh yes, that is an overreaction, especially when you know the team seen as our closest challengers. I suppose in terms of Manchester City, then went and lost four one at home to Liverpool. You know that that kept mm. us very much in, in pure logistic terms very much in the in the chase behind Leicester yeah who who carry on going quite extraordinary amazing um yeah i think i think it is frustrating though because i think you know we 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 kind of dropped two points at home to spurs although it was a good point given the level of our respective performances well hang teams. on I, I would i would disagree with that i'd say no point against spurs is a good point because that means you've dropped two points against spurs and by its well, very nature that that's bad so uh, i understand what you were saying in the circumstances take the point but i won't i won't call it a good point okay i, I would concur okay uh and then west brom was kind of the start of a run of fixtures where you thought oh there's a real chance to build some men- momentum and get get away here i think i think what's cons- alarming is the way the top of the table is compressing mm. you know with city dropping points and us dropping points between leicester and liverpool who are in ninth it's just eight points so it's it's very tight it really is isn't it yeah when you look when you look at it like that i mean the top half of the table is what is it nine, 19 points to 28 points mm. so nine points which you know is a couple of wins, really. Is that a good thing? Um, <laughs> not if you've. It is a great thing if you've got the momentum because it means you can climb quickly. Yeah. But for a team who was sat at the top, who are now, you know, on a, on a slight that trend is changing and they're slightly dipping. That's not a good thing because it right. means there's a lot of people 
hotting your heels, I imagine. Okay, okay. but it, I mean, it is still only we're two points off the top. And That's as well as spin, as yeah. well as Leicester were, are playing, I can't see them do a, do a Nottingham Forest on it um, from back in the day. I just can't see Leicester staying in the top four for the duration of the season I think the the overall quality and, and the power of the the established teams will see out a bit like Southampton last season but it's you know it's fun to watch them uh, but, it's definitely fun but our next our next league games Norwich Sunderland Aston Villa again we're not being I mean, presumptuous but like a good chance to get nine points and to sort of get that momentum going again before we face Manchester City yeah I think it I think it needs to be you know, seven points, nine points, something like that. Because really, West Brom aren't any great shakes at all, are they? I mean, I, you know, I, I wasn't particularly impressed by them. I was impressed by their commitment uh, and some of their organisation, but I don't think they're a, a great side by any chance. Mm. And, uh, you know, those three who you name, I mean, Sunderland and Aston Villa are, are clear as the bottom two. Norwich currently in 16th. We should be looking to to rack up the points against those sides, definitely. Coquelin or no Coquelin. Exactly. Coquelin or no Coquelin. So anything else uh, strike you from the weekend that you want to touch on before we take a break? I mean, I feel like we should probably talk about Mikel Arteta, like, you know, the reaction to his performance, because I thought it was sort of fascinating to see... uh, how quickly he was kind of scapegoated. But, I mean, do you think we'll touch on that in the questions or...? Well, why don't we touch on that in the questions? Make let's, that, fight, let's dig that out. In make the that one of the questions. Uh, Manchester City took a right pasting, all right? Yeah, they really did. Mm. They really did. I mean, is Jurgen Klopp the messiah? What's going on at Liverpool? Don't know. They <laughs> <laughs> won at Chelsea, won at, won at City. There's definitely something. But yeah, they've dropped points against a load of other. They lost at home to Crystal Palace. Yeah. Hmm, mm. Who knows what to think. But City. I mean, their their defensive central defensive pairing was not the most convincing. They went with, I mean, I think Company was out, and they didn't play. Oh, what's his name? The Argentinian chap whose name I'm forgetting. Otamendi. Otamendi. I don't think played. They went with. I'm just looking at their team. Dimichelis and, and Dimichelis Manga- and Mangala. Yeah. yeah. And I sort of feel like therein lies the secret of this result. Right. Um, I mean, they're quite a chaotic pairing, those two. Yes, yes. But again, just an interesting result in what's um, shaping up to be a pretty interesting season. I think, you know, if you're not a team that is going to be nine or ten points clear at the top of the table, which is where I'd like us to be, but we're not, I think I'd rather the whole thing was a bit more like this, a bit bit random in the sense that, like, shit can happen to every team and tends to happen to every team. Do you worry about uh, Man United? They they sort of they look a bit ominous to me. Like they're sort of really dull, but they keep winning. <laughs> yeah, there is a there is a touch of um, the, uh, remind me a little bit of that episode of the the Simpsons. You know when Bart he bunks off school and Principal yeah. Skinner comes chasing after him, and Bart's running as fast as he can to try and get away, but Principal Skinner is just walking behind him the whole time. This relentless yeah. principal. Skinnertron guy and so yeah there's a touch of that to them that they're winning games where they're not playing well and they're not conceding very many goals either uh, so yeah yeah, look they're in there that's for sure they're in this title title race they're like an old Jose Mourinho team mm. you know back in the day great stuff well look we'll take a little break we'll come back discuss Arteta and lots more right after this 
Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer the questions you send to us on Twitter at Gunnerblog and at Arsblog. So, so. 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 Here we are. Here we go. The Francis Cochran <laughs> Memorial Edition. <laughs> um, shall we have a question? Yeah, that would be good because that's what this part of the show is about. Sorry, I must keep up. So yeah. this one comes from from the aptly named at Arteta Assist on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So we know, we know what camp he's in. Well, you'd think, but then listen to his question. He asks, how bad was that Arteta cameo compared to Abue versus Wigan? I think, you know, I think it was a bit unfortunate, really. I don't think he played particularly well, but I don't think, A, the free kick that was awarded for the first goal, I don't think that was a free kick because I think he got the ball. And like you said earlier, I think he got back into a defensive position quite well when we lost the ball very high up the pitch. Uh, They came forward. Arteta was back more or less where he should have been, unlucky for the own goal. But I think the bigger issue with Arteta is not was not that performance. I think it's his fitness. Um, And I think, rather unfortunately, the problems that he has are now such that it makes him very difficult to to play at this level. Because he's he's had this calf problem. He picked it up at the start of last season or maybe went into the start of last season with it. He was in and out of the team. I think he had two or three separate absences with the calf problem. There was the big one that he picked up around November. There was a, a picture yeah, of him. He had him. some surgery on the ankle, didn't he? Yeah, that, that was well. That was a little bit later on, I think. Um, right. But there was this great picture. Well, not a great picture. It's actually quite a sad picture where he's had to come off as one of the home games, and he's just sitting on the bench, and he has his head in his hands because he knows that this is a, an ongoing problem. What was interesting as well was that when he signed the one-year contract extension uh, just before the the start of this new season. He said that he would only have done it if he felt that he could still contribute and he could still play, and he must have thought that the the, the injury problems were behind him. Mm. Um, I don't think he was just like, well, I'll just sign on and take the money for another another season. I think as a professional, as somebody with pride, you want to do yourself justice and and do your team justice. He's also captain of the club, so I don't think he was he was um, he was trying to pull the wall over anyone's eyes. I just think it's now apparent that this calf problem means that he can't stay fit um, when you come on as a substitute and then you have to go off. Like what? What was it? 60 seconds after after the start of the second half? He, he it did, was almost immediate. Yeah. yeah. You know, so there's something really chronically badly wrong there. And when you're constantly battling injury and when you're 33 years of age and your legs are catching up with you a little bit anyway, I think that, you know, I think it's... Um, Probably a case that that his time at the club is is coming to an end. Now, I'd like to see him, if he could turn it around, that'd be great. If he could contribute, you know, even, uh, you know, in some of the cup games or as an effective substitute from time to time, I think that would be fantastic. But I think really that his place in the side now has to be now has to be looked at. Whether that's done in January, I don't know. But I think probably this is this is his last season with the club. I mean, I was a bit surprised it was actually Arteta who came on rather than Flamini, just because in the last couple of weeks, you know, in the Spurs game, for example, it was Flamini who was introduced. I don't know if Arteta was available then, but I feel like Flamini had kind of been a little bit ahead Mm. in Arsene Wenger's thinking. Um, So I was somewhat surprised that that was the decision that he made. Were you? or Maybe, yeah, or not. You know, I think he he likes Arteta as a player perhaps a bit more than... 
than Flamini. Yeah, maybe. So I think he went with the guy that he likes and trusts more. Um, but, you know, you just, you just can't um, play at the required level when you're you're constantly battling injury when probably that injury is in the back of your mind as well. Even subconsciously, the idea that you might, you can't give 100% physically because you're not sure if your your calf muscle is going gonna, gonna to stand up or not, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right in that I think that the, he was a bit unfortunate at West Brom. I think I saw you describe him on your blog as a lightning rod. And I think that's right. Kind of everything that went wrong for him could have done. Um, I even thought, if you look at the step piece for the first goal, he kind of is tracking Morrison and then gets sort of blocked off. So, you know, even there, he sort mm. of encounters some problems. Um, although I never am quite sure with with our system quite who's supposed to be responsible for what. It's sometimes difficult to Yeah, is it zonal or is it man? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, difficult to tell sometimes. Uh, sometimes it seems like a, a bit of a mix. But... I thought more troubling than that was just that generally I thought that you could see the disparity between him and Cochran, not in those instances, not in the concession of the free kick, not in the own goal, but I just felt in terms of the the tempo and the physicality they were mm. able to bring to the midfield respectively. You know, West Brom had a clear... They had three central midfielders in there, uh, Jakob, uh, Fletcher and Morrison, and clearly intent on kind of crowding us out. And Arteta and Cochran didn't really get the kind of foothold you would hope for, particularly uh, particularly in the sort of middle third of the game. And um, the injury, I think, is the one that really caps it off. You know, this is going to sound over the top, but it was one of those where, as he went off with it, I just thought, I was thinking in my mind, like, God, this must feel pretty shit. Like, that must feel... You know, you hear these stories about, like, Gary Neville retiring mid-season and things like that, and it was one of those where you're like, God, that that feels like writing on the wall to an extent because he's tried so hard to come back from that and to go down to a yet another calf problem. Yeah. It must be hugely dispiriting. And obviously you have to feel for him. I mean, you know, we've had players who've been played with injuries in the past, the likes of Abu Diaby, but with in that case it's a mechanical fault. Jack Wilshire kind of the same. Here it feels... Like it is just the the effects of wear and tear at the end of a long career, and it's becoming difficult to escape. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's a I shame. Think, yeah, I think it's a shame as well. And what makes it perhaps a little more uh, sad is the fact that he's a like a super professional guy, very dedicated. He comes in early, as the manager said a couple of weeks ago. You know, he's always there early. He's looking after himself physically. He's doing his yoga. He's doing his stretches. He's doing everything he can. You, to prolong his career, but something is very fundamentally wrong with with his calf, and and that's just it's just going to make it impossible for him to continue playing at this level. I think, which is re- a real shame because I think he's a guy. I don't I don't understand why he gets abuse. I can understand why people want a better player. I can understand why people want a younger player or somebody who can bring different qualities to the team. But I I don't understand the the abuse that he gets. To be to be perfectly honest. Of course not. Of course not. And and I well, I think, you know, we've said this about players in the past, but I think your eye shouldn't be directed at the player. Um, you know, the player, I think, gives everything that he can and is clearly a great professional. And that's the reason that Arsenal wanted to keep him around the club, I think, you know, and wants him to go into the coaching side, presumably, and mm. and be part of that setup. He already is in some respects. But uh, do you think that looking at it now that going into the season with Arteta as the 
as the backup for Coquelin was a mistake. Well, I mean, now, yeah, it looks like it, doesn't it? But, you know, does, he went yeah. in He went into the season with Flamini and Arteta as backup for Coquelin, not just Arteta. True. So, you know, there was, I think he saw a little bit of safety in numbers there. He's looking at two relative veteran players who aren't going to play week in, week out, clearly, because when Coquelin's fit, he plays. But he's got two very experienced guys who can, who can fill in. And now we're in a situation where one of those guys, Flamini, is going to have to do that and is going to have to play at a level perhaps that he hasn't played at for quite a while but maybe a run of games might help him do that I don't know I don't know you see the thing about it is I mean if he'd bought a player in the summer what kind of player would he have bought that's well you know, this what, is it yeah and look would he have yeah. spent 30 million pounds on Morgan Schneiderlin or what have you I don't know mm. well clearly he didn't and wouldn't spend that much money on him so yeah. uh, you know in, in hindsight is a, is a wonderful thing of course um but look, we, we, are, we are where we are. So we'll see. Okay, here's a question, actually, uh, from bu- 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 Trev, at Trev Tall, who nice. could be could be tall, I don't know. That might just be a surname. It could mm. be coincidence. Yeah, or it could be Trev T. All. We just, we just don't know. But he wants to know, what about Callum Chambers in the DM role while the cock is limp and flaccid? <laughs> Yes, I don't know. It was a matter of time till this one came up, wasn't it? Because Arsene talked about Chambers as a holding midfielder when he first came in. The thing is, he's only really played one, started one game for us there. Yeah. It was away a, a to Southampton, I think, last January, and it was a bit of a disaster, as I recall. Um, did that he, was didn't the Chesney. He, did he play alongside Coquelin in that game? I think it was Coquelin did, and... Chambers playing together in that particular game. I'll just go back while you continue yeah, to talk about it. Yeah, I think you're right. That rings a bell. Um, and that was the, the Chesney smoking incident match. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't pan out too well. I I have to say, I don't necessarily see it for Chambers. Like, he's someone who seems to be... I mean, this is always the thing. It's a perennial Arsenal thing. Can we make a defender a holding midfielder? Um, you know, Vermaelen, Torre... And now Chambers is, is going to be the one. I, I feel like he's much more comfortable at centre-half. You know, it's it's easier on the ball in many respects. I, I think I say this every time, but because you're facing forward, facing the play, as a holding midfielder, you've, you have to play more like a centre-forward. You have to take the ball with your back to go a lot of times. Mm. You have to turn quickly away from people, have to operate in very tight spaces. I'm not necessarily sure I, I see that as somewhere where Chambers will excel. I, I'd, I'd go with Flamini over Chambers, at the moment, certainly. What mm. about you? Yeah, I mean, I think Flamini's the the obvious option. Um, Follow up question here um, comes from Jane Cavendish, uh, who asks, "Where the hell is it gone?" Boom, boom, boom. Why do fans think that the skills of a centre back are universally transferable to those of a, a DM, a defensive midfielder? And so far, since Coquelin has been injured, I've seen people suggest Monreal. Could play yeah, there. I've got I've got a question here about that. Debushi might play there. Um Gabriel. Gabriel. You yeah. know. Um and again, it's exactly what you said that it's such a different position. It's such a specialized position as well. That you know, you you're asking you're asking central defenders um to, to do to do a job. Most defenders can't play in midfield. 
Like you no, can put a left it. back on the left wing and it's not too dissimilar. But if you put a full back into the centre of midfield, you know, or a central defender even into the centre of midfield, most of them cannot do it. So I think the only option we really have at this moment in time, if we're going to go for a like-for-like replacement for Coquelin, is Flamini. But perhaps there's another way. Maybe there's another way. I mean, the thing about the defending midfield thing is that um, there's not even, in, to my mind, there's not huge historical precedent for it. Like, if you think about players who've performed at centre-half and holding midfield well... I mean, Alex Song is a guy who did it relatively well for Arsenal, but he was moving back. And I think that it's actually easier for a midfield player to move back into defence. You know, we've seen Yaya Torre do it because although some of the sort of defensive elements of the game Mm. you might not have, you might not fully understand the marking or the positioning, in terms of what you're doing on the ball, you're kind of halving uh, your field of vision. So it's, it's, I think it's actually easier to go into, to go into defence from midfield. I think to go the other direction. And players move back as they get older as well. Mm. I think to go the other direction, I know that David Luiz has done it, but I think he's sort of a, a technically exceptional player. And I'm not sure that any of these guys we're talking about quite in that bracket. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's much harder. Yeah. And I think... Yeah, I think maybe you're right. I think maybe if if you don't want to go with, you know, Flamini plus one, Flamini plus Cazorla, maybe you have to look at a restructuring rather than just slotting in, you know, an, another another member of personnel. I mean, yeah. somebody else I saw suggested Christian Bielik after his Capital One Cup cameo, but that feels very early to me. Well, yeah. I mean, look, this is a guy who's only ever played 20 minutes in a, in a Capital One Cup game. He looked all right, but, you know, we were losing the game and there was nothing, you know, there was where Sheffield Wednesday weren't doing an awful lot going forward in those final 15, 20 minutes that he got on. So I don't think he's a realistic option unless the injury crisis gets a lot worse. I can't see him being involved in, in the squad at all, not even in the squad, let alone the team. I mean, Liam Quigley, Liam J at Liam J Quigley asks, what can Coquelin do that Ramsey can't? If Ramsey stopped trying to get involved up front, he could replace Coquelin. No problem. Would you agree with that? that uh, to an extent, to an extent, I was about to suggest, you know, let's say it is three months on the sideline for Coquelin. Mm. You've already convinced Aaron Ramsey to play effectively on the wing for half a season. Could, you know, is it that much of a stretch to tell him, look, for three months we need you to sit back, not bomb on, not try and score goals, but just break up the play? Because he's got the power mm. and he's got the technical ability to flourish in that part of the field. Whether or not he's got the discipline is the big concern, I think. Mm. But um, he did he did form a good partnership with Arteta, I think towards the end of the 2012-13 season, where Arteta was obviously the deep-lying midfielder and Ramsey was kind of the engine in there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. would it be possible that that a Flamini-Ramsey combo could could do a job there in terms of in terms of what we need to, to do to protect the back four? Maybe, but then where do you stick Cazorla? I mean, Arsenal's very wedded to the idea of Cazorla is the sort of deep playmaker, isn't it? It seems to me anyway. I well, think no, that- I, I mean, yes, but, I, but surely he must be aware of the fact that the that it's an unusual, uh, almost bizarre position for someone like Cazorla to be in. And it really, as far as we can see anyway, only works with Coquelin because he's tried Ramsey and Cazorla and it, it hasn't worked. So yeah. he must be aware that there are things that he needs uh, to be in place for Cazorla to be able to fulfill that role. So maybe that's something that he's going to have to think about also. Maybe. It's possible. I mean, you could always... I wonder if you could put Cazorla a little bit further ahead, maybe. It's kind of a number 10. And 
you know, I know nobody likes to put Ozil out wide, but he would obviously drift from there. You know, if Ramsey can play out there, then I'm mm. sure he can too. Um, it's something to consider. I do think Ramsey will be integral in some way, shape or form, just because I think even when he plays from the right-hand side, I think he lends greater support and stability to our midfield than some of the other players have been playing there. You know, he tucks in a lot. He he kind of does a Ray Parler job mm. in some ways by kind of bulking out that central midfield area. So whether or not he starts in the centre or on the right, he will help solve the Coquelin problem. Um, but I don't think I don't think it's going to be a defender who steps into that role. Yeah, no. yeah. All right, let's have another one. Uh, let's have another one. Oh, we just covered off quite a lot of them, didn't we? <laughs> Pretty much everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, this is a bit different. I mean, I can imagine what you might say. Uh, but Adam Brooks, at Harry Knows Dad, good name, asks, uh, if you could heal one of our injured legion, who would you pick? Cockerland. Really? <laughs> Straight away? That's it? Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Like, you know, you worry about the others until... Until this one comes along, mm. and then it's like boom. Well, maybe though, you know, you might you might consider Jack Wilshire, and if if by healing he means you know you heal them permanently, that would be ah. that would be good. So I mean, you could you could definitely see a role for Jack Wilshire in this team, a, a Ramsey Wilshire double pivot uh, at the base of the midfield. It was interesting. I was watching the, the Jack Wilshire was on. I think goals on Sunday a few weeks ago. Right. And he was talking, he was asked about what, what his favourite role in in the team is because he's been asked to play a deeper role for England, a more defensive, deep-lying midfield role. Um, but we know that as a, a young player, he was he was a swashbuckling number 10. You know, he had the, the skills, the creativity, and that was for a long time, I think, where, where Arsene Wenger saw him. Um, but he said yeah. that he preferred to play that deep-lying role because he likes to pick the ball up deep. He likes to start off moves. Um, so maybe he's eyeing that kind of position for Arsenal as well. Like, I, I, I do worry that he doesn't necessarily have the the tackling ability. I mean, he likes to get stuck in, Jack, as we know, but I just don't think he's as good a tackler as, as Coquelin, nor is he as good in the air. Coquelin is um, a lot better in the air than people think. but yeah. So that's why I'd have concerns over Wilshire on his own in that role. I don't think he could replace Coquelin, but maybe alongside somebody else, he could be somebody who could do it. So, yeah, Coquelin or Wilshire. Coquelin or Wilshire? I mm. think that's I think that's fair. I mean, right now I'm I'm thinking of Coquelin. Although saying that, we could really do with another attacker. You know, like I feel like chasing the game. We talked about Campbell and his miss, but he was kind of the only option we had. Um, the quicker the likes of Oxlade Chamberlain, uh, Walcott, and Welbeck Walcott, come yeah. back, yeah, yeah, the better. Rosicky also, yeah. So that would be nice. I mean, look, can we have them all? Yeah, that'd be good. All of them, please. Yes. Yes. Lovely. Um, okay, here's one from the Yellow King 88. At the Yellow King 88, it's JMO, and he wants to know Do you believe the conspiracy theorists, theorists who state that our training ground pitch is too hard, hence the injuries? Popular theorists include Ian Wright and Martin Keown. Maybe, but I mean, maybe I'm being reductive, but would that explain all the injuries that don't happen on the training ground? Whoa. My mind has been blown there. <laughs> well, I, I mean, because I, I, I imagine the suggestion is that there's some sort of cumulative effect of training on these hard pitches and then that creates problems that then occur yeah. in matches, right? 
I suppose that must be the idea. I really don't know. I really couldn't comment. I've not. I have trod the ground at London Colney, but I couldn't. I couldn't comment as to its hardness or otherwise. Mm. Um, I mean, there have been plenty of theories about the pitches, the you know the 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 sort of artificial weave that's yeah. in the grass, yeah, uh, the base underneath it. My overriding feeling is that I think we've just got a collection of injury-prone players, and mm. that training ground pitches, footwear wisdom teeth, whatever the hell it might be that causes all these... What did Arsene Wenger once say? Something to do with the hair products. Do you remember? There was a bizarre one a few years ago. I think it's to do with the shaving foam they use, or I can't remember what it was. Right. It was something <laughs> weird. But I don't think any of those are, are a real factor. Maybe training methods, we don't know, but we've changed those. We've brought in Shad Forsyth. We've brought in strength and conditioning coaches. We do yoga. We do Pilates. We do... I don't know what the hell we do. Like hot, bloody... Uh, massages with uh, all kinds of happy endings. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. But the problems tend to happen to the same players over and over again. The same problems with the same players, which suggests that it's something that's wrong with these players rather than everything else, rather than the environment or the circumstances. Yeah, I think I think I feel that if you put Jack Wilshire at any club, he would have injury problems. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think we've got a few more Jack Wilshires maybe than we... Mm. that we necessarily recognise. Yes. Um, which has its ups and downs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, let's change it up. Okay. This is from Graham J. Hawk. He doesn't say what type of hawk, so we'll have to, you know, trust him here. Mm-hmm. The Rubber Bandits have a great song, if you want to look on YouTube, it's called oh, yeah. Spastic Hawk. I recommend that. Go look that That is up. good. Mm. That is good. Um, he asks... What would you rather have? Okay, light, let's lighten the tone. <laughs> Melons for feet, or every time you sweat, you sweat syrup. I would go for the 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 syrup sweat. Right, because melons uh, for feet would be really in, in, inconvenient. I don't what imagine. If they well, go on. Rolled like the new droid in those Star Wars trailers. Well, okay, you've changed it up again there. You've yeah. added an extra layer to this. I'd still go for the, the syrup sweat. But imagine your clothes, like, all syrupy. You would have to stay relatively sweat-free. It wouldn't be good for playing football. Actually, neither of those things would be good for playing football. No, imagine your first touch with melons. Mm. But also imagine running around a football pitch and just being uh, covered in, in syrup. That wouldn't be good. The other thing about being covered in syrup is that people would just come up and lick you all the time, and that would be that would be unpleasant. It would put Patrick Vieira's sort of Vicks on the chest thing in perspective, wouldn't yeah. it? To be have just like syrup emerging from every pore. Yeah. Yeah. Just complete strangers. However, syrup is delicious. Is there some advantage to be had there? What kind of syrup? Is it golden syrup? Is in it maple it is. syrup? I don't know. I mean, it's still sweet and sugary and nice, mm. irrespective. It would it would probably because you you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to help but just sort of go and you know wipe off the syrup and have a good. It would probably bring about diabetes very quickly. Wouldn't be good That's for true. your for your heart. All that sugar, it's bad for you. So, are you coming back around to the melon? Coming here? back around. To, I think I'm coming back around to melon feet because what you can do. Let's remember, is you can carve a melon 
So you could carve the melon into, into the shape of a foot. Into the shape of whatever kind of foot you wanted on the day. Because I assume that when you go to bed at night, the melon re regrows. Yeah, and you've just got like basic melon. But then you've got to come out what kind of melon? Watermelon? Honeydew melon? In my melon? head, it's watermelons. Yeah. 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 I mean, what, what shoes are you getting for that? Nothing really. Just tying plastic bags around them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What would you do? I mean, I like melons and syrup, but I don't. He doesn't say you can have both. No, it's one or the other, man. I think I'll go for the syrup. I mean, yeah, why not? That feels like an upgrade. It's nicer than actual sweat, yeah. and I'm not a very sweaty man. Little fact for you, listeners. That's good to know. That's good. So you know the syrup. I mean, I don't vigorously exercise much, so the syrup occurrences will be few and far between. Yes. Okay, well, look, syrup syrup, sweat guy, fair enough. <laughs> oh, dear. We have, have a game tomorrow. No, we, we, we have a game tomorrow that we haven't really discussed. I know. Oh, God, yeah. We're going out of the Champions League. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what so ki- busy getting upset about Cochrane. Yeah. What kind of a team does he select for that one? Oh, just don't play anyone. We can't have any more injuries. <laughs> just put out the kitchen staff or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, so what is it? So what's this deal? We've got to win to stay in the competition. We've got to win, and Bayern Munich have got to beat Olympiacos. I think. Yeah, that sounds right. about right. And then we've got to go to Olympiacos and... And win and put, by a margin. By two goals. Um, I think... I mean, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a strong team simply because we don't have I mean, anyone else. We don't have anyone else, that's for sure. Um, you know, we talked about resting Alexis, but I think Arsenal sort of put that to bed, didn't he, on Friday? He was kind mm. of like, well, I can't, I can't really do it at the moment. Uh, and Alexis actually looked okay. He looked relatively. Fresh, I thought I he thought. looked good actually on Saturday. Looked looked to have yeah. a bit of a, a bit of zip. Yeah, Arsenal said he was not tired at all uh, in his post-match press conference. I uh, so I think yeah it'll be a strong team and also because I think it'll be a desire to kind of get the momentum going again you know mm. Um, mm. but although I have to say I'm not, I've, I can't find it in my heart to care too much about the Champions League at the moment is what, that, is that bad? because of Cockerland just the world seems yeah, a dark and think, empty place <laughs> it's just difficult for me to care I mean I can't get out of bed I'll be <laughs> honest um, no just because it feels it feels a bit like an afterthought, doesn't it? It feels very secondary at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It won't if we qualify and we're in the hat, you know. That's true, that's true. It would be great to go and play uh, Barcelona, Barcelona or something. Yeah, I look forward to it. Yeah, they're not much good at the moment. Nah, nah. All right, here, here's one final one. It comes from Dr. Carl. I don't know what kind of doctor he is. Is he a knee doctor? Can we send him to London Colney? What's going on? Um, I don't know that he is. His Shame. avatar is him with a... With a dog, it's a good-looking dog. But anyway, okay. here it is. Uh, he says, alone in the woods with only a judge's gavel, would you rather run into 100 rabid squirrels or <laughs> one rabid wolverine? I want to run into 100 rabid squirrels. You're Sim- a lunatic! And- no, listen. <laughs> listen. <laughs> okay, I'm listening. That was very forceful. I'm very angry then. <laughs> It's because, and I'm scared of saying this because this is definitely not okay with animal rights, but there's no way 
that hitting a hundred rabbit squirrels with a judge's gavel is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> it, that <laughs> it would feel like one of those games, you know, where like things pop up and you have to like get them with a the mallet. Um, <laughs> In my head, that's like all those fun reaction games where you got to press all the buttons that light up. Mm. In my head, that's what that is. But you'd be overwhelmed by a hundred rabid squirrels, and then you'd have rabies, and then you'd die. Andrew, 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 they'd all be they they'd climb on me and they get stuck in the syrup that was emanating from me, <laughs> and then I'd swipe them off and smash them with my with my hammer. Right. I mean, I know it's not strictly a hammer, but I yeah. Listen, if I die like that. I'll be happy. Like, that will have been a fun way to die. Me versus 100 squirrels with a gavel. While sweating syrup. If that's how I have to die to bring Francis Cockland back from the dead in a piece of, you know, karmic retribution, then so be it. What a sacrifice you're making for the world of Arsenal there. There we go. It's my pleasure, genuinely. I, I, don't, I don't think I'd even be able to come and save you because I'll, I'll have melon feet. No. <laughs> be awful you'd be like desperately trying and yeah yeah going along on my melon feet yeah or maybe you wouldn't try maybe you'd just be like yeah this is a necessary sacrifice i told him i told him he'd be overwhelmed but no he wouldn't listen no he he just wanted to fulfill his dream of fighting 100 (laughs) squirrels with a gavel all right well look uh that's that question well and truly answered for dr carl So uh, thanks, Dr. Carl. Thanks to everyone for listening. Um, We'll be here next Monday with another Arsecast Extra. I'll be here on Friday with an Arsecast regular uh, as we look ahead to... Who who the hell are we playing? Norwich? Norwich? Mm -hmm. Norwich? So we'll be looking looking at what happened in Europe or in, uh, in the Champions League. Feels weird, doesn't it, to say in Europe because you kind of think in Europe is across the sea a bit. Yeah, in London... In the Champions League, yeah, that's a that's a better way of putting it. So we'll uh, we'll discuss all that on Friday and look ahead, of course, to the Norwich game. And uh, James and I will be here next Monday with another Arscast extra. Until then, cheers. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>